Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at real ghost You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a scared little boy tries to make his way to his mother's side one night only to find another little boy has beat him to it. A relaxing vacation at a historic spa leaves a family in worse shape than when they arrived. A visit to a haunted cemetery with a dark past leaves a group of adventurers fleeing for their lives. And a mother's nightly Ouija board activity may be the cause for a haunting, but she convinces her daughter that it's all in her daughter's head. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. How are you doing? I am doing well. That story, that last headline there of the mother and her nightly Ouija board activities brings back so many memories of my mom <laughs> and sitting around the table and, uh, you know, watching her and the cat go and use a Ouija board together. That's how they did it. They would sit there and, but they use like a, you know, a, a TV coffee tray table, you know, like the, the ones that fold up. A TV tray? TV tray. That's the word I'm looking for. And we'd usually have Golden Girls or something on in the background, and then her and the cat would be on both sides of the couch, paws on one side of the planchette, and then my mom's fingers on the other, and they would communicate with uh, dead pets. Your mom's going to skin you <laughs> next time she sees you. <laughs> She's listening right now going, what? What? What is he talking <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. Love you. Uh, it's almost as uh, fun as uh, when I did the uh, the call uh, saying I was in prison, uh, but that uh, that <laughs> not quite as bad. They should never have given a 16-year-old open radio airwaves. Hey, it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, it did, but... Oh, I would have been so mad if... One of our kids had done a prank saying they were in jail. Now I'm just waiting for it all to uh, come back at me at some point. It's called karma. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, just keep the girls away from microphones. Uh, yeah, so, no, my mom never played with a Ouija board. In fact, it was one of those things where I was warned uh, many times against such things. So, yeah. Um, I remember one time uh, a friend, actually, it was my, uh, my second cousin had one. And we were in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, visiting. And uh, my parents were down, my mom was downstairs visiting uh, with her cousin. And uh, me and my second cousin went upstairs to his room and he were playing around and he had a Ouija board. I'm like, let's try it. So we got it out. He's like, it never works. I'm like, oh, let's just see. And I knew I wasn't supposed to, but tried it. Absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> so there you, you were go. lucky. I could have just completely played it up there. I could have like made up a huge story. 
about what actually happened. I could see you sitting there and you try and roll your eyes in the back of your head and start <clears throat> drooling like you're becoming possessed or something. Yeah. Walk downstairs and like start drooling out green jello or something. Mm-hmm. It'd be great fun. Yeah, I, I, there's no wonder you're an only child. It was the only time I ever tried it and uh, never uh, once again. So I'm kind of happy nothing happened. Otherwise, I would have another wonderful story for the show, which could be a good thing, but there'd probably be a dark entity following me around as well. Yeah. There you go. Kicking off the show today, uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can do it on the website as well, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click uh, Tell Us Your Ghost Story and uh, right on in. Kicking it off with Nathaniel today. It says, first of all, thank you for sharing my last story about the cloaked crypt keeper. I was working at L.L. Bean, and when I heard my voice through my earbuds, I just about shit a brick. Oh, it works at L.L. Bean. That's one of our favorites. I love your stuff. Can you send me a bunch of clothes? (laughs) (laughs) I would love you. I'll make you an EPP for life. Um, yeah, actually, I wear, I, I, I've kind of like slowly been getting all of my wardrobe converted into L.L. Bean because... You've been phasing out the other stuff. Yeah, because it's just very, it's just, they're not paying us to talk about L.L. Bean by any means, but I just, they have a good product there. And it's a shame because when we were actually in uh, Portland, mm-hmm. Maine, uh, I knew nothing about L.L. Bean. You did. Yeah. But you're like, oh, the L.L. Bean store here. I'm like, and? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have a store there. They're actually out of Freeport. Sure. But- yeah, I took you there, and you were less than enthused. I just thought it was like another clothing. I didn't know. Like, yeah, okay, that's great. We're going clothes shopping on a vacation. And now I would be all about it. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Anyhow, continuing on. Uh, this is a big one, but I will arrange these in order from oldest to most recent so you can get an idea of when they occurred in relation to each other. First, the cloaked man story you featured in the haunted coal mine episode. Thank you again. Second, a few weeks after the cloaked man visited me, when I was ten, I had awoken from another horrific nightmare. As part of the ritual, I would wrap myself in a blanket, grab my stuff bare, and make my way to my parents' room. When I turned over to get up, I saw a young boy, not much older than me, standing in my parents' doorway. I blinked and was gone, but I kept shuffling forward in search of my mother's embrace. As I entered the doorway, something made me look to my left, and the boy was there. He was in the corner of the room. Now, as I blinked again, he appeared in the furthest corner of the room in front of me. I blinked one last time, shaking with fear, and he appeared not even a foot away from my right. I panicked and swung my arm out at him as if I was supposed to connect, and he vanished. My hand kept going, colliding with the dresser behind him, making a hellacious noise. This woke my mom, but my dad kept on snoring. He could sleep through an earthquake. Another feeling my dad's the same way. <laughs> I curled up in their bed between them and told my mom what I saw. He said not to worry, and she'd keep me safe. After a few hours of working off the adrenaline, I finally passed out. And just a year ago... I brought this story up with my best friend and my father. My father told me that he often had dreams of a little boy and sometimes sees him running across the foot of his bed. My friend looked mortified. My friend says, I have those dreams all the time when I sleep here. The funny thing is that no one knows of any tragedy involving a young boy happening in this house. It's really weird. Third, a year passes with no activity. One night, I wake up from a nightmare and look over to see what I can only describe as the Red Man. 
It was a tall man in a deep burgundy suit surrounded by what looked like static. His back was to me and was inspecting a stereo system. I had sitting on my that I had sitting on my dresser. The buttons and dials had blue lights around them when they when he went to touch the light that disappeared behind his hand like it was solid. I sat there petrified, not wanting to make a noise in fear of what would happen if I did. I blinked very hard and held it in for a few seconds, and once I opened them, he was gone. Four. The most recent story is something my mother experienced. She's a skeptic, so I and my father's stories do little to entertain her. One day, she was home alone, hanging out around the house. She rested her phone screen up on the chopping block in the kitchen and left the room to do something. She hears a loud crash and walks back in, only to find her phone is now screened down several meters away from the chopping block as if someone tossed it. She's a skeptic and still doesn't believe in spirits. I mean, really, WTF. Anyways, hope you like my stories. It was very comforting to hear Jenny's positive reinforcement after my call, and I was very nervous if you guys would like it. And Tony, you made me laugh with the whole Tales from the Crypt thing. I love that show. I have three more uh, I'm eager to share, but figure this is enough for tonight. Love the show. Love you guys. Keep it up. But it's 4 a.m. now, and I should really try to get some sleep. Thanks for sharing my stories. Okay, I want to know, do all these things happen in the same location? Or is the, the family just kind of a haunted family? It's a good question. Because I don't, I don't know if it clarifies that or from his original call. I'm not I sure. don't recall the specific geographic details of the first call, so I don't know. But that's an interesting. Obviously, there's more stories to be told here, so sure we can address that in the next uh, letter. That would be uh, good and answer that question. Um, I. I almost kind of lean towards the way that these stories go, that this is probably more so a a haunted family or, or individuals who are more sensitive to things than it is necessarily a building Okay, that seems to be surrounding them, but um, be interesting. Yeah, I'm just always curious if, if, if they are sensitive or mm-hmm. if they are magnets for activity. I'm going with, and I'm going to say it the Wisconsin way, magnets. Yeah. They're magnets for activity. (laughs) It is. That's how you say A's up there. I know. Our Wisconsin listeners are like, yeah, so, and? (laughs) When you leave Wisconsin, they get really, really uptight about things like saying flag and bag and magnets and ramps, um, bubblers. (laughs) Which is a water fountain. You see, when we said water fountain, it was like a fountain at the park that you threw pennies into. No, it's a water fountain. When you needed a drink of water, you went to the bubbler. And I still use the term. Just to confuse people. I'll go to the store. Where's the bubbler? (laughs) Like a what? (laughs) Like the bubbler. You know, the bubbler. Well, that's okay. Because when I go grocery shopping, I get a buggy and not a cart. You know, I yeah, that's another one I didn't know. I I thought that was a very confusing thing when we first started dating. Because it was like, well, what do you need a buggy for? Your daughter's not with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, do, you just, do you just like the comfort of carrying, of pushing a buggy around when she's not here? Or what, what's the deal? And, uh, oh, no, it's a cart. Like, oh, that's a Southern thing. Yeah. I, I had no idea. We, I, that's a term that was never used up there. Yeah. It's just always chopping cart or cart or 
That's pretty much it, really, but buggy. Interesting th- interesting things, uh, and, and I've learned more from our listeners, too, just as they share their stories. Sometimes something pops up in there. We're like, what? And yeah. And we, we both learn something new. We do. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories. Sarah Bell writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm proud to announce I have hooked yet another coworker on your show. Well, thank you. That's uh, that's very good of you. We really do appreciate that. And at our next meeting, extra cookies. <laughs> extra cookies for you, Sarah Bell. <laughs> no, really, I, I don't know. I'm just making. Uh, okay. <laughs> but we really do appreciate you getting another coworker hooked on the show. That is that's awesome. We thank you for uh, for spreading the wood. I was uh, going to call this uh, what. Did you say spreading the wood? Spreading, did I say that? Yep. <laughs> that sounds like I'm five again. Yeah. Are you sure, Tony? I'm sure. <laughs> I think some of my five-year-old is starting to come out the more that I talk with Harper. Because she's speaking in two-year-old language, and it's there's missing syllables. And when I talk to her, I start talking with missing syllables. So eventually this whole show will sound like a three-year-old is hosting again. <laughs> with a very deep voice compared to what I sounded like back then. Spreading the word. Not, not spreading the word. <laughs> it's very much Tony at three. You listen to tapes, it sounds like a speech impediment. Seriously. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Uh, continuing on, I was uh, going to call this uh, next story in, but I decided I could better describe the events in a letter without seeming too scatterbrained. About three years ago, some family members and I went and stayed at a certain hotel and spa in southern Illinois as a type of weekend vacation. Now, a couple things about this hotel. It's an original Springs Hotel and has been around for a very long time. I forgot the year it was built, but I do know that it had caught fire and some people lost their lives. Obviously, since then, it's been rebuilt, but it was rebuilt in the same style as it looked original, at least on the outside. Along with staying at the spa, we went to this haunted uh, Alton Ghost Tour, the last one with Troy Taylor, if I remember correctly. That in itself was an experience. I might write back in with that one, though. It could possibly be kind of long. Back to this hotel. This hotel has a history of being haunted, which we knew. It actually played a pretty big part in the reasoning why we stayed there. I, along with certain members of my family, love the paranormal. For them, I don't know why they do. For me, I have a feeling it's because I've just been surrounded by it for most of my life. My grandparents stayed in a one-bedroom room on the main floor while my aunts and I stayed in the suite upstairs. The lore with the main floor is that back in the day, a guy hung himself in the hallway, the spot being almost right in front of my grandparents' room. Each time I went to their room, I'd get an odd feeling as soon as I entered the hallway. One evening, I snapped some pictures, and while going back over them in my room, I could see a faint mist floating about halfway between the floor and ceiling. I showed one of my aunts, and she about fell over backwards off the couch. Now we heard that our floor was pretty active, and it just so happened that one of my aunts brought her Ouija board with her. Yes, Jenny, I know, not a good idea. It was the first time I'd even touched one since a few years earlier in the old farmhouse. I wasn't too excited either. But I went along with it. While they were setting it up and getting situated, I decided to grab my voice recorder. I don't know why I thought about it, but something told me to get it. So I did. 
As we sat around the board, I turned the recorder on and told my family that we weren't going to do anything with it until we cast a protection ring, for lack of a better phrase, around us so that there would be less chance of something bad getting through. Luckily, they obliged and we got started. I don't remember everything that was asked, but I do remember that about three or four questions in, I started to get an uneasy feeling, more like a scared feeling, like something bad was going to happen. The final question I do remember, we asked the board why whoever was here was still here, like if they had any unfinished business. We waited a few seconds, and then like something out of a horror movie, it started to storm and the lights flickered. Of course, we were all a little startled from it and started to laugh at one of my aunts for letting out a little scream. After it calmed down from that, I started to get that feeling again, that something was about to happen. I finally spoke up and told my family that we should call it a night. We said goodbye to the board and I turned off my recorder. My aunt Kay and I decided to trip to the hotel bar was in order after that. That next day, I woke up early and excited to listen to my recorder. I went and sat out in the hall with my headphones on and started listening to the events of the night before. As I listened, I didn't really hear anything until right after the last question. After my aunt got done speaking, there was a quick noise that sounded like a voice. So I hit rewind and turned it up. There, very clearly, in a little girl's voice, were the words, Did you kill me? I listened to it a good five times just to make sure I was hearing it correctly. I went and woke up my Aunt Kay and made her listen to it too. She heard the same thing. Needless to say, we made everybody listen to it. I was going to email you the recording, but whenever I need my recorder, it's nowhere around. So as soon as I find it, I'll be sure to send it in. Another quick thing that happened was on the day we were leaving, one of my aunts had to run back up to our suite to grab something she forgot. She was gone about five minutes when we heard a thud and heard her scream. We ran up the stairs, and she was sitting at the top of the stairs, bawling her eyes out. And her cup of ice was scattered across the floor. When we asked what was wrong, she said it felt like someone pushed her in the hallway, making her fall. Not sure if it would have been the little girl or another spirit trapped there, but we were almost glad to leave. Although personally, I can't wait to go back. Sorry, this is so long, but I felt like it needed to be detailed in its telling. Y'all have a great show. I love it, and I can't wait to be an EPP. So those old spring hotels kind of soared into popularity in the early 20th century. Can you explain what a spring hotel is? Yeah, around um, natural hot springs or, Mm -hmm. you know, underground springs, people decided to capitalize on that because of the healing properties of the water. And that was something that, like I said, went into big popularity in the early 20th century around the Victorian time. Sure. So a lot of the the old springs had an old hotel where people would stay and, and sometimes the pool would be fed by the spring or they would just go to the spring. So a lot of those are about that age. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that has a factor, not just the age, but the fact that it's a hotel right there on the springs into the haunting side of that. Like the spring and the water and everything, kind of the energy of it, just water in general being Mm -hmm. a very good conductor for things like this. Yeah. I would think that that probably has a big part in it. And you combine just a historic 
building with a lot of energy in and out of which you have a lot of haunted hotels and such on their own without springs and then you add essentially a giant battery pack to it uh, being the spring um, yeah I could see that really increasing well and here's one more factor into it a lot of the hot springs and areas where there's you know where there were a lot of Native Americans mm-hmm. that was a big thing they really thought a lot about the medicinal properties of the spring water so okay. you'd have a lot of I guess, I don't know if they were temporary or if they set up permanent residences around the springs as well. Okay. So you've got that kind of playing in too. It's a lot that goes into those things. Mm -hmm. I've never been into, have you ever been to a springs resort or spa or hotel or anything? We both have. We went to one, it was a pool that was spread by uh, hot springs in Colorado. We have, you're right, that was a springs one. Mm -hmm. That was kind of nifty. Yeah. And it didn't even smell. No. I was expecting the eggshell smell. My favorite is out in Pagosa Springs. There's Mm -hmm. a big, um, it's naturally fed pools, but there's several of them, and and believe it or not, they have their own temperature just naturally. Some are really hot and some are more temperate, but um, they smell like rotten eggs. Sure. But it's amazing. Any joint pain and stuff, it seems like it really seems to help with that. Yeah, and sometimes, I know I've seen this one, there was this one uh, show I was watching where a bunch of old people got into this pool, and they had these giant rocks in there, and then eventually the rocks opened up, and these, like, creatures came out, and they were kind of glowing. It was like cocooners. There's a whole generation Uh, that is going to miss uh, that joke. It's called Cocoon. Go watch it. It's on, I think it was on Netflix. It's a great movie. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was a show I saw. And it was like, kind of like, <laughs> it'd be like, just it's like you're passively watching like all news channels. You think it's like actually a real thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like The Walking Dead. Is this real? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story with us. Of course, if you like the show, please become an EPP. That's what uh, they were just saying they were going to do. That's what the EPP stands for is Extra Podcast Person. Uh, it means you get an extra podcast every single week. We do a bonus episode uh, for the folks that help fiscally keep the show alive and on the air and uh, fund it. Only five bucks a month. Get all the bonus episodes of the past ones. There are now 24 of those and new one every single week. So uh, sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click become an EPP. Michael writes in, uh, we went to the Fort, uh, the Fort Dale Cemetery because we wanted to go ghost hunting. The place has a racially fueled nickname as black folk were mainly buried there. Also, the KKK is known to have meetings there certain nights. That fact alone, coupled with what had followed me home that night so many years ago, has deterred me from ever going back. It was mid-June, four of us piled in my best friend Alex's car. He is now deceased. We lived in Spring Hill, so it was about 30, a 30-minute 30 ride. When we went down the old dirt road, the litter of old appliances and furniture was overwhelming. When we got to the main entrance, we started off looking around politely and respectfully, asking if anyone wanted to communicate with us. We came to find out this was not a smart move. After an hour, we moved from the front of uh, the front out uh, cropping of markers towards the backside, where an old tree stood. 
tree's dead, but solid, rumored to have been a hanging tree, and where in the 1830s a witch or voodoo priestess was, by rumor and local legend, brutalized and hung by townspeople or the clan. Light stopped there while the others moved towards the woods and the outlying ruins of the old caretaker's home, barn, and outbuildings. I touched the tree, as it was said, even on the hottest of days. It's cold to the touch, which turned out to be bogus. It felt spongy and solid. The strange thing was, in the wind, I swore I could hear people talking and not modern language. I heard old terms like uh, betwixt. Is that betwixt? Is that B-E-T-W-I-X-T? I don't know what that Betwixt. even means. Betwixt. Betwixt? Betwixt. What is there a me- Do you know what the meaning is? I don't know. Okay. Betwixt. And also, I could swear I saw shadows darting around headstones. However, I'll not say for sure if I it could have been my eyes. What happened next was even stranger. I ventured into the woods to link up with my friends. We didn't have flashlights or cell phones. We also knew better than to yell or call out to each other because on a previous incident, we were chased by clansmen with shotguns out of the area. Shots were fired all because a newcomer to our group got separated and scared and screamed out for us. Continuing on the main narrative, however, I'd gone into the woods and I thought I saw Alex on a small sandy footpath. I had tripped over some debris as it was black as pitch in the forest. Beyond the graveyard, the ground looked like a black abyss. The sandy paths, however, seemed to be bright, but as I picked myself up, Alex was no longer where he was standing, and had vanished in the span of five seconds. Now, at this point, I had begun to think that it was time to go. I began to hear loud stomping and fast movement trampling brush. My first thought was hogs. I pulled my Herbert's Messer knife and prepared to defend myself. To my horror, I saw a large, black, gassy mass. I sheathed the blade, turned and walked away, as I already knew not to run. A few minutes later, I walked literally into my friends who were apparently as shook up as I was. Turns out they had good reason. Alex and the other two claimed they followed me into the woods and they were talking to me, but I only nodded and never uttered a word to them. Probably was that they entered the woods before me. I was trying to capture an EVP at the tree. In turn, I told them of my ordeal and we voted to bolt. We wandered out of the woods to find a bunch of punkers leaning on the car, trashing the graveyard. They were posers and real assholes. To their surprise, the metalhead kids that just came out of the woods all grew up together bare-knuckle boxing and sparring. Long story short, we took care of business and didn't pull any punches. We got in the car and took off, leaving the half-dozen Nazi punkers beaten silly. Bravo. (laughs) Bravo. Now is where it gets dark. We start heading out out the road we came in on, and midway in, his brand new car just cut out, lights and all. Then we saw the shadows, and the car started getting slapped hard all around on the roof, hood and windows. Alex frantically tried to get the car started. We were cursing like sailors at this point. The car came back to life, and the lights came on, and he floored it. We got stuck in the sugar sand... 
I and one of the guys in back reluctantly got out and freed the car by pushing like madmen. We got out to the State Road 52 and went to the Hess station near the truck route. There were handprints all over the car. We freaked out, but also remembered the prints could have come from the punkers. We went in the store, got some gut-buster drinks, and left. They brought me back to my house. It was nearly 1 a.m. Went to my room, turned on my stereo, and laid back in my bed. Not going to lie, I was tempted to roll up a doobie as I smoked pot in those days, but decided to just relax and sobriety, uh, take sobriety in and all that happened. I had put on the Kill Switch Engage album Alive, or just breathing, and began to sort through my thoughts. That's when it happened. I started feeling like I was not alone, and as I was about to get up, the haggard woman floated through my door. I was frozen. She went through the bed, at least her lower body did, and she leaned down in my face, and the black eyeless sockets glared into my eyes. I could not break the stare or look away. Then she reared back and screamed in my face, but it was silent, yet I heard it in my head. It was guttural and high-pitched all at once. A white fuzziness came over my vision, and a loud high-pitched whine filled my ears and head. Next thing I knew, it was morning, and I was still in the same position as when I got home. I feel it was a warning by something demonic or otherwise to never go back there. To this day, I have not and will not ever return to the old Fort Dade Cemetery in Brooksville, Florida. So do you think something followed him home? Uh, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think, good enough reason not to return. Something that did not want him there. Yeah. Did everything stop then? That's what I want to know. I'm wondering if it was just like the ghost gave a warning and like that was it. Like, don't come back again. I got to go freak out some other people down the road. <laughs> but uh, I'll come back if you keep coming back. Too, you know? Right. Um, I would think that with that much dark history, as far as the strange occurrences that happened there and the hangings and the tree and everything, that there's some kind of negative entity that probably lives in the cemetery. That was probably giving a warning, like you said. I think it sounds like a lovely place for a picnic. Some salmon salad surprise sandwiches on the side of the road. You know? Yeah. I think it would be delicious. Until the Klansmen have to chase after you <laughs> that shooting. That might be a little awkward. That might kind of ruin the picnic. That's where you just take the sandwiches and toss them into the middle of the road and get run over by a car. Okay. Nothing will scare people off faster than a salmon salad surprise sandwich. Okay. And if anyone knows the reference I'm making right there, write in. I'm curious. I'm not going to give it away. You don't even know the reference I'm making. Yeah, I do. You do? Okay. Okay. I'm just curious if anyone else does. 855-853-4802. It's like mystery references. I had these, these little Easter eggs throughout the show. I get all your weirdness. <laughs> and some most of the time I, have, I just get too excited about them and I just tell everyone what bizarre thing I'm referencing. Uh-huh. But that one's a little, little more deep. Salmon salad surprise. I bet you five bucks nobody knows. I bet you someone does. I bet you not. We have so many people who listen to the show. Someone's going to know the salmon salad surprise reference. Nope. And what it's from. Okay. No clues. I'm just going to move on. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories 
online. Daryl writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Daryl and a new listener and fan of your podcast from Malaysia. After listening to other people's stories with the paranormal, especially with shadow figures, I decided to share two separate encounters with these entities. The first incident took place in the boys' dormitory of a private boarding school I stayed and studied at years ago. It was the weekend, and my friends and I decided to play hide-and-seek throughout the dorm building with the lights turned off. One of the superstitions in Southeast Asia, I was warned as a kid, is that never play hide-and-seek in the dark or you'll be spirited away by ghosts. We were rowdy, puberty-hitting teens, so that warning sounded stupid to us. I was with a friend at that time and followed him around to avoid the seekers, and in the excitement, fear, and confusion of getting caught, we were separated. I remember seeing him disappearing into a dark study hall, and I followed suit. Hearing a seeker behind me, I hid under the study tables and lay low till the seeker was gone. As I turned around to get a good look at where I was hiding, bear in mind that my eyes have adjusted to the darkness, I saw a dark figure that I thought was my friend. Crouching in the corner under the tables with me, I decided to crawl up to him and tell him the coast is clear. But as I waved my hand over to him, I realized there was no one there. Immediately, I got spooked, knocked my head over a couple of tables in panic to crawl out of my hiding spot and hide in my room with the lights on. The second incident took place after I graduated and started working in the city where I was living on my own in a rented apartment. My landlord is a Buddhist who often leaves a battery-operated radio on on the altar in his house playing Buddhist mantra chants. The thing about these chanting songs is that it is meditative and supposedly to bring peace to your soul. The dark side of this is that it can also attract the restless lost souls that are seeking peace as well. This often led to the feeling of uneasiness for uh, me both in day and nighttime when I'm on my desk working. I kept feeling the presence of someone watching over my shoulder for a couple of weeks. One late night, I got out of my room to get a glass of water in the kitchen, and the living room was pitch dark. As my hand reached over for the switch, I looked up and saw two to three figures standing facing the altar with their heads bowed down just seconds before I switched the lights on. I felt a chill running down at the back of my neck, knowing what I had just seen, and mumbled to myself, there's so many of them, and nervously continued my way to the kitchen, but I left the living room lights on throughout the night. To keep it shorter, I told my landlord, he got spooked, but agreed I should paste a paper uh, talisman above the apartment door outside. Since then, he turned off the chanting song, and there were no more eerie experiences in the apartment. Well, that's all I could share for now. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Regards, Daryl. Okay, my question is, what is a paper talisman? I don't know. I don't know either. Should we look that Should up? Should I Google that? Yes, let's How do you, how do you spell it? Even though I just read it, I'll have to go back and look if we... Uh... I think it's T-A-L-S-M-A-N. Da, da, da. T-A-L-I-S-M-A-N. Okay, talisman. And a type of household amulet uh, issued by a Shino shrine hung in the house for protection. Okay. Okay. There you go. Okay, when I see it, I've seen these before. I know what they are now. 
Cool. So, okay, that makes sense of what's going on. It does. What do you think of the figures standing there? Good? Bad? I don't think they're good. No? No. Not just lost spirits just trying to find some peace? A little, just kind of on an upset? No. I'd be hanging something over my door, too. Why do you think they were bad? Because there was a group of them. Yeah? And a group of anything is threatening than, more threatening than just one of anything. Mm-hmm. So... I just if you're seeing a group of something that you know is paranormal, mm-hmm. I would have fear of that, even if it ended up being a happy little group of spirits. Is there like a term for a group of ghosts, you know, like like a herd, like a herd, a herd of ghosts. Yeah, you know, there's different like terms for you know herds, packs, things of that. Is there something like for a murder ghosts? of crows? Yeah, a murder of crows. What would a group of ghosts be? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably yeah. Probably something that you least expect, like murder of crows just sounds bizarre. So, you know, be like, it's a rainbow of ghosts or something where it's like, <laughs> that doesn't really fit. Uh-uh. You know, something like real happy. It's like, you know, I don't know. Uh, we could probably invent one. Mm-hmm. A word. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any episodes of our show. You help us grow the community as well. And the uh, shows are just come right to you. It's super easy. And uh, for uh, the latest episodes, they just they just magically appear. As our two-year-old would say, it's magic! <laughs> Which she thinks of the bowling ball return yeah. at the bowling alley. Every time the ball comes back, Daddy, it's it's magic! And then like, okay, I'll help you carry the ball. My do it! And then she picks up the ball and drops it on her foot. Yeah, it's, it's complete <laughs> bewilderment when she sees that. <laughs> April writes in, when I was growing up, I lived in a haunted house. My mother had a Ouija board and used it all the time. She believed that she was only tapping into her subconscious mind and that the spirits did not exist. However, I witnessed a lot of supernatural activity in the house. One spirit I remember was a glowing white demon with black circles around its eyes, black eyes and black lips with jagged teeth. Its hair was long and striped black and white. It had long claws on its hand and feet. It used to stand in the hallway and stare at me. My father believed me, but my mom didn't. The Ouija board was a huge taboo secret that I wasn't allowed to tell anyone about. My dad never knew that she had it. After my dad passed away when I was 10 years old, the hauntings got 100% worse. Pictures would fall off the walls and land on the floor. Kitchen appliances would turn on and off by themselves. Lights would turn on and off, and the doors in the house would open and close by themselves. Anytime something supernatural would happen, and I'd run to my mom, she'd say I was imagining things that weren't real, and that I was mentally ill. However, many years later, while talking to an aunt on the phone, she said that she and her husband experienced some things in my mom's house. My father died of cancer when I was a kid. I've always felt that the demonic spirits had something to do with it. One time, when I was in my teens, I had two pastors come in and bless the house. My mother was pissed off over it. When they went to the basement and started praying, the spirit threw a loose two-by-four at them. The two-by-four was propped up against the wall. They ran upstairs and out the door and got in the car and left. My mom hospitalized me later on, saying that I was mentally ill and hallucinating, hearing and seeing things that weren't real. However, I knew that they were real. 
I've had psychic abilities ever since I was very young. I've always been able to sense spirits, ghosts, angels, and demons. Left my mom's house when I was in my late teens, and I never went back. I still have nightmares of her house. I've shared these stories with other people, but they usually don't believe me. My mother always said that nobody would believe me if I told them these crazy stories. She was right. Nobody believed me about the spirits and demons in her house. They all called it mental illness and crazy thoughts. I had no proof of the paranormal events that happened during my life. I was also told by her that people who believe in that stuff get locked up and institutionalized for it. So I didn't tell anyone about it for a long time. I still feel scared at times to share this information with a psychiatrist, even though I'm traumatized because of it. The spirits used to scratch me and pull on my feet when I was trying to sleep. I'm now writing a book about my childhood and the dangers of Ouija boards. I know that they are advertised as games, but they're not toys. Take it from a person who grew up with one in a haunted house. Stay away from them. They only bring demonic entities into your home or life. I love the paranormal and I love a good scary story, but I will never play with a Ouija board or go to someone's house if they have one. Well, I'm glad you're writing a book because if you're afraid to talk to your psychiatrist about your experiences, writing can be a very therapeutic outlet. And just getting that out when you've been told all your life that you can't do that, that people are going to judge you or whatever is going to be like a huge weight off your shoulders. And I think your mom was just literally mom of the year. I'm so sorry about your whole childhood. I think mom was into that a little bit more than she told her daughter or even more than she even realized. I think maybe if, if mom honestly thought that she was tapping into her subconscious if that's really what she thought she was doing, I think she was completely oblivious then to what was actually going on. I think she was possessed. I think she was a shitty mom. Well, yeah, a shitty mom, nonetheless, yes, but I think also possessed. Yeah. I think that she was saying everything and anything she could to manipulate her daughter into not speaking about um, what was going on um, in fear that someone's going to come in and take this Ouija board away. And and I think that was probably if I think she was somewhat possessed and I think there was something that was within her that had pretty much taken over mom and uh, was uh, going to manipulate any which way it could to keep control of mom. Yeah. And, you know, to a certain extent, keep control of the daughter by, you know, you're crazy. You're doing this. You're doing that. People are going to think you're crazy. You know, fear and intimidation. I, you know, she was obviously a shitty mom, but. I think there's there's even more reason as to why she was a shitty mom. And hopefully you don't have to deal with her anymore. Yeah. You can choose who you want to be with. You don't have to be with somebody that tried to lock you up because of what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Uh, y- you can't necessarily pick your parents. <laughs> and uh, that's one where uh, that's what you got for your parents and or your mom. And uh, if, if I were you, I would just uh, probably never try and have contact again for the rest of my life. Yeah, I would just sever ties and move on. Uh, if you haven't already. I mean, right. I mean, that may have already been done, but I, I see no good ever coming of that relationship Mm-mm. based on on what. Uh, you shared with us. So thanks for um, thanks for writing in. Laura writes in, Hey guys, I've been listening to the show a few months now and have to say, I listen at night and I'm constantly left with goosebumps. 
the more I hear from your other callers and letters leads me to believe that some things in my life are now explained as an, oh great, I didn't just imagine that, it probably did happen that way. So, I was listening to your show and heard a few of your callers say, things have happened to me all my life that I couldn't explain. And well, I'm in that category. I'll start at the beginning. Just six days after my fourth birthday, on the 18th of December, 1989, my beloved Papa, here in the UK, we say Papa, left us suddenly. My older sister and I were too young to go to his funeral, which was held that Christmas Eve. My nan was distraught when he passed. They had just got their house, how they liked it, and my cousin was just an eight-week-old baby. And of course, it was Christmas. No one really talked about where he'd gone or why to us. We were too young to understand. I only ever knew that he died of a heart attack. I always believed that he died in his sleep. Sometime later, I'd say I was seven or eight, I started to have dreams. Well, this was a nightmare. I was four years old again. It was the pink coat and wellies. I think you call them gum boots? Gum boots? They're rain boots. Oh, okay. I remember from my childhood. You know, you always remember the first time you got to pick your coat. So in my dream, it's four-year-old Laura standing in my grandparents' living room at the end of the sofa. It's brown velour and it's go flowers go and it's go flowers on. And I'm aware that I'm screaming. I standing where I'm standing there waving my arms frantically, trying to get Nan's attention. She can't see me or hear me. So why am I screaming so urgently? I look at the sofa. My papa is holding his chest, reaching for me. He can't breathe. I tell him I'll get help. As soon as I go to reach for him, the dream ends abruptly. I had this dream on and off for at least five different occasions. I'd wake up crying. I never really understood it. I told a friend at school once, you know, in your, your teens, when you analyze your dreams to see if it reveals your exam answers, she said, how did he die? In his sleep? Heart attack? I replied. So between us, we put it down to just thinking of that sofa and him sitting on it. My nan still had it. And me being worried, he may have felt pain. And it manifests as a dream. And I shrugged it off. That must be it. I had the dream a few more times. But they all stopped at age 15. That's when I found out what happened the day he died. Apparently my nan was in the kitchen, my papa on the sofa. It was about 2 or 3 p.m. He called for her as he realized this was more than angina. Nan called for an ambulance. The paramedics arrived. They got him back twice by this point, but my nan was hysterical. She screamed at them to stop. She apparently said, let him go. When I found this out, I wept. I told my mom about my dreams. She said it was silly, that I must have overheard something as a kid and had a nightmare. Well, maybe I did, but there's a theory that as your five senses rest, your sixth sense comes to life. And if we're open and sensitive, we can receive messages. I took this as a message. I look back now and think this taught me two things. Trust your gut, listen to your heart question something and don't hide from the truth. Second, it's okay to let go. It's okay to stand and shout, enough is enough, which is what my nan did and the role I was playing out in, in the dream. What are your thoughts on dream visitations? This made me a believer in somewhere beyond, but as time had passed, this isn't the only incident that made me a believer. 
I have a few more stories about this kind of dream, as sadly, my papa and nan were reunited in April of 2014. Anyway, keep up the excellent work. I plan to look up uh, your EPP club soon. Take care, Laura. I think there's things that we can only figure out in dreams sometimes, which what I mean by that is that sometimes we are given information when we're asleep that we wouldn't otherwise know. Mm-hmm. And it all makes sense. And we just wake up thinking, wow, that was a weird dream. But in reality, it's actually more than we know in our conscious day-to-day life. Do you think all dreams have meaning? No. I think some of them are just randomness, but I think some of them do. And the hard part is picking out which one's which. Sure. Especially if you're a lucid dreamer and everything seems real and you dream just about every night, mm-hmm. then there's no Everybody. way to be able to really differentiate until after the fact what meant something and what didn't. That can be very confusing mm-hmm. as to, you know, especially if it's somewhat bizarre, you know, because you you almost, uh, at least I always feel like, oh, the real bizarre ones must have some sort of meaning. When I think probably most of the time, those are the ones with the least amount of meaning. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's just random shit all kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for writing that in. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Hey, my name is Jess. I, uh, it all started back whenever I was in Germany. Um, I went to go visit some concentration camps and uh, got a little lost. Well, I had to go to the bathroom. So I figured I picked a good place to stop and go to the bathroom. Turns out it was the place that we were looking for. Well, later that night, I was sleeping, and um, I woke up and saw this really tall, dark figure and towards my closet area of my barracks room. And uh, couldn't see through it. Had the outside moonlight to where you would see my closet and the doorway and so forth, but saw this very tall, dark figure. So I closed my eyes, tried to shake it off, and then uh, opened my eyes again to look, and it was still there. Closed my eyes again. Okay, whatever. Sleeping. Just part of my dream, whatever. Opened my eyes. It was there. Repeated that process, and again, it was gone. Um, Then I come back to the States. I'm living in uh, Texas, and uh, I see it's at uh, my parents' house. I go to bed one night, I wake up, and I see it's a little different looking, um, very demonic looking. Uh, it's, I swear, had backward legs um, where, you know, the knees would go in the wrong way. Um, standing at the foot of the bed, long fingers. It never really moves. It doesn't talk. Just stands there. Just very tall, powerful presence. I get this dreadful feeling. I panic wake up, trying to shake my wife awake, tell her that it's there. By the time I get her awake and get myself together, it's gone. Now, it's I thought that this was sleep paralysis or whatever, um, but I'm moving the whole time. I'm talking, I'm thinking. I never actually interact with it. And uh, time goes by, and I see this same figure again uh, whenever I was in a different area of Texas over in Fort Hood. And uh, I went to lay down to go to sleep and uh, wasn't even really asleep yet. Just got this bad feeling and saw it. 
And um, I get this, this thing just keeps following me, and I haven't talked to it. I haven't uh, said, go away. I don't want to, I'm, I'm scared to open up any kind of line of communication with it because I don't know if something else is going to happen. But I know I'm seeing what I'm seeing, and I'm just trying to understand what it is or why something may be following me. I mean, it just, it's, uh, I've seen it probably a total of six times now. It just, thinking maybe y'all could help me understand why something like that would uh, show up or maybe what I should do, uh, just keep ignoring it, or should I just tell it to go away, or... <laughs> Uh, just any advice is great. Uh, thanks, guys. Love the show. Bye. Well, I was at first wondering when I first heard the call if it was the same figure or if he's just seeing different figures, different places. Because mm-hmm. that's quite a ways for one figure to follow him. But or I is know he the one that's being anything's possible? What I was going to say, or is he the one? You know. Is it following him? It's not necessarily, you know, something that's stagnant to a, a building. Right. And I think that's what he's saying is sure. that it's following him. Sure. Um, as far as why, I don't know. Maybe it's something that realized when you could see it that, hey, mm-hmm. I connected with this person. It can see me. I'm going to do whatever I can to stay with this person. Um I don't know if it's dark or not, if it's not doing anything, or if it's just a shadow person. What do you think? Well, I, I like the idea of it was recognized, okay, it can see me. And here's the interesting thing with that. If it's a person, you know, having been a, a, like a human mm-hmm. ghost once, um, I could see that being, oh, great, finally, this is one that can, can see me. So you'd want to continue on. Yeah. Uh, you know trying to get attention um i would almost think that like the the darker entities if you will they already know if you can see them or not yeah i don't, th- I don't think those necessarily take a a sensitive person if you will to see them uh if they i, I kind of have the feeling that if, if they want you to see them you will see them okay so i almost kind of lean more so to more, more so towards this being a uh, a human okay at some point in time just based on on those factors then if if we think it's a human is it fair to ask it to stop showing itself yeah i think that's fair game okay and some people will argue with that saying you don't want to recognize it or anything and that's i mean that's true to a certain extent but if you really want to make an attempt at it to stop that's usually step number one right at, at some point, if you do want it to stop, there's going to have to be some form of interaction and some form of line being crossed with it. Um, and that seems to be one of the least intrusive, if you will, before you break out the exorcist. Sure. You know, that's where I would go. Okay. So, some thoughts on that one. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. We would absolutely love to hear it if you have one. Uh, of course, you know, see also uh, write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want more ghost stories, become an EPP. 24 bonus episodes all set to go out to you right when you sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. You'll be supporting the show. It's only five bucks a month to get a bonus episode every single week and access to, like I said, all those uh, 24 bonus previous episodes that we've already published right when you sign up. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. 
So until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.